the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show, live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. Welcome in, everybody. It's a Monday night. Glad you have braved the weather and are here with us at the Tap House Grill in Kenwood alongside the head coach, Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker. Glad you are here as well. Hopefully... Well, we get to a whole lot of your questions before the hour is up. We will talk about the week that was. Look ahead to a road trip down south. And plus, we have a couple special guests with us. A skills coach for the Florida Panthers, Paul Vincent, is here, as well as our assistant coach, Matt McDonald. That is all coming up in the next 60 minutes. But first, the head coach with us now to talk about the day for the Cyclones, a busy day that started on the ice. Some skills, of course, uh, led by Mr. Paul Vincent, who will be with us in a bit, but also a race about uh about what two or three hours ago it was that uh, was up at our friends at full throttle tell us how it went today uh it was a great day first of all uh mr vincent took uh, uh we went on the ice for about an hour just over an hour and just did all kinds of skills so something you don't usually get an opportunity to uh um, you know, Mr. Vincent came in earlier in the year. It was a great, uh, great for our guys, great for our staff to have him out there on the ice. And today was a great opportunity to get the guys back on the ice and, uh, uh, you know, with another four more days to prepare for the weekend. So today was a great opportunity just to do some things, uh, uh, different skill things, different timing and passing and, 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 and stuff like that. So it was, a, it was a terrific day from uh, the standpoint on the ice. And then we went out for lunch as a team and then uh, to full throttle, did some racing. So uh, boys had an absolute blast and uh, it was good to see him. Uh, um, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of chirping going on back and forth. Surprise, who's surprise. Gonna, who's going to win? But uh, we've got our back-to-back champion, Dan Eves, again, has won the uh, the Cyclones, uh, whatever you want to call it. Now, I can tell you, and I don't, I'm, you know, I'm direct to the point. I, I'm not afraid of, of telling it like it is for those that listen to the broadcast. Uh, last year, uh, I was... Uh, the worst of the people at this racetrack. I did not go this year because I had a lot of Cyclones-related activities I had to get to at the arena, so I didn't get to race. But last year, uh, we called it blue flagging. And for those of you that have not been out to the racetrack, uh, that is basically the flag that says, get the hell out of the way because you're too slow and everybody else is going past you and you're causing a problem. So uh, that was a running joke for for 12 months, and now that is done. That joke, oh, oh, hopefully is, is over with and somebody else has taken that torch from me perhaps unwillingly who was that person today the new nick brunker was uh michael hauser oh. <laughs> he was terrible figures it was a goalie he was slow and uh getting bounced around <laughs> and they they kept blue flagging him telling him to get out of the way to let cars pass and he was just he was just more in the way so the thing is uh, at that point I, I was so terrified that i was going to like flip the car over that i was just happy to stay on the track i don't even know what the blue flag was until afterwards like did you see the blue flag i'm like yeah yeah what does that mean you're going too slow Stupid. Yeah, yeah. the but guy's giving you this one, pointing at you, <laughs> opening it up. I'm looking around like, going, Move I'm over. going to die. So, but yeah, yeah, Michael Hauser, and uh, no, it was good. It was very competitive. They end up going through some uh, hot laps and different heats, and then they, they identify the top uh, 10, and then uh, you go out and race. And uh, I know it was good. I think uh, Matthias Lindstrom, uh, you know, he took it really seriously. And, <laughs> big uh, surprise there. You know, a the lot of guys, sweep. I think, Avi uh, got in the top 10, and uh, Josh really? Burkholz and Andrew Conboy. So it was a great... Uh, it was a great race, and uh, boys had an absolute blast. It was something, a uh, good opportunity. Again, we haven't had five days here in a long time to really, mm-hmm. first of all, you know, work on uh, skills like we did today and then do something like this. And, of course, with some things to touch up on before we head into the weekend. Yeah, it's a busy, busy month. Not as busy as January, as I talked about. January was the busiest month of the year in terms of games played and, and how many days there are to play in the month. But uh, this, obviously, is just the beginning of a very important stretch run. The Cyclones uh, going up against uh, a whole bunch of teams down the stretch that are fighting for their playoff lives. So it should be a very entertaining and spirited affair, not only this weekend, but uh, down the stretch. Let's go back to the week that was certainly not the, the result that I, I know that you wanted. Uh, what did you take away from the weekend? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, starting off with Thursday, I thought that was a, a good game. I think uh, the penalty trouble in the first period really, uh, you know, set the tone for them. Uh, we almost got out of it. 37 seconds left in the period. You know, they score that goal. I think, uh, you know, we get through that. Uh, that's a bit of a momentum uh, a changer for us, you know, killing off four penalties and then starting the second period, nothing, nothing. Unfortunately, uh, they got the pass through the seam and scored one, nothing. And, um, you know, I thought it was a good game. I thought both teams played very well. I spoke to Nick Fatusi the next day and 
um, you know, just talked about how the game went. And, of course, uh, you know, he's a little more excited about the game than I was, winning 2 nothing. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I thought it was a good game. I thought we had some opportunities. Their goaltender played well. Our goaltender played well. Uh, unfortunately, the the magnitude of the game of being, uh, you know, two teams uh, battling for first place and us coming up the short end was frustrating. And I thought the next night that we played well enough to win. It's that one of those Evansville-type games. And, uh, you know, we came away with one point. But, uh, you know, Saturday was definitely a big disappointment. Saturday was just something that got away on the guys. Uh, again, penalty trouble in the first uh, mm -hmm. period. Surprisingly, the same referee as we had on Thursday, we had on Saturday, who yes. dinged us for four minor penalties in the first period yes. again. So, uh, again, uh, th those aren't excuses of, of a 7-2 loss. is definitely not the referee's fault. But... Um, you know, we uh, again we had some opportunities that just didn't uh, didn't capitalize. But uh, again, it's one of those games that uh, got away on us. And I think the the most important thing we can take out of it is how we respond, how we respond in practice this week. You know, how do we respond going down to uh, uh, Greenville and Gwinnett, two teams that are right there ahead of mm -hmm. us that we have an opportunity to catch. So um, again, I don't think we'll we'll know the uh, the effects of uh, the weekend until uh, we progress through this week and get into the weekend. One of the big questions that I had on Twitter and on Facebook and throughout the course. Of, uh, of both of the broadcasts was oh, on Saturday, what happened with Convoy? I, I was, um, every opening face-off, I read my sponsor, Reed. It's brought to you by Relay Express. Literally reading the card, look up, and he's dropping the gloves. It was a quick, obviously right off the bat type of a fight. What happened and what was said after? I don't know what happened before. I know what I said of our game plan, and that wasn't in our game plan. Um, <laughs> you know, we we don't want to be involved in that kind of stuff with an Evansville team. It slows the game down. When you get involved in skirmishes and, and stuff after the whistle, and it slows the game down, and that plays into their favor. So our message was right from the start is we want to play fast. We're a fast-skating team. I believe we're a better skilled team than them, that uh, we need to play this game into our favor, and that's by playing fast, playing up-tempo, high-paced hockey. And... Uh, uh, um, you know, Andrew did that. I, I just I talked to him after. I just said that it was unnecessary. It was uncalled for. It's something off script that we didn't talk about. And, uh, you know, it played right into their favor. That's the type of game they need to play to beat us. And, um, you know, it will be the last time that happens because um, I really think that set up the, the game for them. I mean, uh, uh, you know, a team we beat 7-2 or 7-3 the other night, and now all of a sudden we're in a dogfight, that's, uh, that's not the way it should be. And not saying we're going to beat that team 7-3 every time we play them, but it definitely is not the way we want to play against, uh, against Evansville. So he actually got a two-game suspension. He didn't play the next night. He will be sitting out against Greenville, and, um, you know, I've addressed it with him, and that's, uh, that's the end of it. Uh, that's not the way we want to play. If it's called for, then definitely we've got a team here that will stick up for each other we have guys that care about each other but uh unnecessarily jumping a guy that probably deserves to be jumped every game but <laughs> um put us down five minutes is not the yeah. way we want to start a hockey game. at the end of the day too i mean obviously you talk about this the tone setter of that fight but i i gotta think that you know despite the the way it turned out that being able to you know weather that storm you allowed a power play goal, but also you were able to come back and make sure that you not only got the, the tie, but you got the lead. And again, bygones be bygones. Uh, to be able to be in a dogfight like that yeah. and continue to tie the game and, and, and try to, in my opinion, set the tone the rest of the game, yeah. that, that's a positive as well. Oh, well. I mean, if you look at that game from a fan standpoint, I mean, that was a great game. I mean, a 4-3 shootout uh, win for them. There was about five fights. There was uh, you know, obviously a lot of goals, and it was a, a great game. It wasn't the game plan we set up, but you know, you're right, Nick. Uh, uh, you know, to kill off that, I know they did score one one goal on that five-minute power play for Josh Shallow to come right out and score, tie it up, and then for us to get the lead and have the lead uh, throughout the game was something I, uh, the the way we responded I, I liked. But again, it's it was off yeah. script and. Uh, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll go through a game plan this weekend, getting ready for uh, uh, Greenville and Gwinnett. Two teams, uh, well, Greenville we have seen early on in the year, and of course uh, um, Gwinnett we have not seen. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll prepare for them. The, the, we're, we're very fortunate this week. We have some areas we need to address, and we'll have the opportunity to do it this week from, you know, our D-zone coverage coming out, our exit plan out of the defensive zone. I think it's something that we need to work on. I think our, our uh, you know, some offensive situations, some, some you know, offensive Defense's own play we're going to work on this week. And, of course, our power play is something that's been a struggle all week. We finally get some opportunity to work on it. One of the big bright spots for this team of late has been Zoltan Atenyi, a guy who was much maligned at the beginning.
beginning of the year uh, was really having confidence issues. And as we talked about, uh, went through a, quite a, a really rough patch. Uh, went to Nashville, as we talked about last week, discussed his, his improvement. And, and what do you know, he continues to do it. And his attitude has changed a whole bunch. And I know he, he's playing with, I don't even know how to, to describe it other than he's playing angry. And I mm -hmm. think that is something that, from, from my angle, has improved his game. Would you agree? Yeah, I think when Zoltan came over, it's, uh, you talk about players coming over from Europe and it's different and, and it's different in a lot of ways not just the ice surface it's, it's a lot of things off the ice I mean things are different there's a more professional level here of the way we conduct ourselves the way this organization myself and Mac want to do things and uh, um, you know I think that that was a, a maturation process for him where a lot of stuff was off the ice just understanding that you know you being on time which over here is something that's stressed uh, you know every day since you're you know you're in, in, in athletics you're on time where there's a casualness to the sport in, in certain levels of in Europe that uh, I think Zoltan had to adjust to um, and really uh, uh, he's come a long way, and I think, uh, you know, we had many discussions. Uh, Mitch Korn, the goalie coach in uh, Nashville, had discussions with him. I think he's disappointed with himself in the way that he, he was unprepared for this opportunity coming to North America, and I think he, I think it's more of an edge he's got now. I think he's really taken the, the seriousness of everything, and um, I like the way he's playing. I thought in Evansville was the most comfortable I've seen him all year. He made some big saves. He's, he's vocal, and um, I think he's finally starting to get it, um, what it takes to be a professional athlete, a professional hockey player in North America. Boy, and he was ready to drop the gloves too right off the bat in Evansville, wasn't he? Yeah, he was fired up. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, one thing he did say, he sent a message to the bench, which is, is, is again, <laughs> was bizarre. The shootout's about to start, and he sends uh, uh, one of the defensemen over Taylor Ellington to tell me that he wants them to shoot first because he's ready. Uh, I was like, well, tell the big guy they pick who shoots first. So, uh, <laughs> there's there's that at, whole thing. When we're at home, I'll, I'll decide. On the road, I'll I just wait to find out for first or second. So, you know what? It's, it's hearts in the right place. And uh, uh, he's really popular with his teammates. I think the guys have really brought him along. Um, it's so easy for a guy like that, uh, an easy target for guys to really pile on uh, the, his habits and yeah. some of the things he's done. But I think what our group has done, and it says a lot about them, is they brought him along. I mean, he is a, he's a part of a lot of the jokes that he gets now and, uh, and stuff like that. But I think our group has really brought him along. And, um, you know, he's a different person now. He's obviously a little bit more mature, aware of his surroundings, aware mm -hmm. of the seriousness of, of what we do. And that th these are our jobs. And, uh, um, you know, we're here to win hockey games. We're in the business of winning hockey games and, and instant success. And uh, uh, he really has come a long way in a lot of departments. Speaking of the maturation process, is this a good time for a road trip like this where you, you have that extended day? Obviously, just a couple of weeks removed from the Trenton Redding swing. But mm -hmm. you go down south, there's a little bit uh, more playoff feeling weather, if you will, as it's warmer, it's a little sunnier. At least that's what the, the weather forecasters have been saying for us for the next couple of, uh, of days headed down there. You're already checking, eh, Nick? Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to get out of this mess. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <coughs> the idea behind... This mess or this... The, the mess oh, out there, okay, not, not okay. this mess. Right. This, this is happy. This is a happy place. Uh, at least I think so. Um, the idea behind going on a, on a road trip in a climate where... Hey, it's a little bit warmer, like you said, but also the hockey climate. You get a chance to play against some of the top teams in the conference where you're going to try to lift up your game. Not that, that playing against lower, lower seated or lower quality teams like Evansville or Fort Wayne, based on the numbers, is going to, to make you play a lower quality. But, but you go into a team like, like Greenville, who is playing very well right now. That amps up your game a bit. Absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a great test for us. I think all year long we've answered uh, any questions we've had when we've had to face some teams, especially early on. We are not sure where everybody stands. I think we've, uh, you know, we've played extremely well in some of these situations. Um, so, you know, get another opportunity to beat uh, Greenville. Another an opportunity to finally see um, Gwinnett is great. And you're right, Nick. There is uh, it starts now to kind of get that feeling. We still are, you know, two months away, but uh, you know the numbers are dwindling in the the games played and. Uh, uh, you, you can start feeling it. I think the, obviously the standings uh, mean a ton. They mean mm -hmm. a ton to the players and, and, and to Mac and I, of course. But um, it, it, it starts to get that feeling. And definitely you can start, start starts happening now. And uh, heading down there, like you said, better weather. And yeah. uh, uh, you start getting that feeling. So, um, no, I'm excited for our group. I'm excited for this week. I'm really excited to touch on some things and, uh, and then get in there and see where we stand. I mean, because it is another great opportunity. Every weekend we could sit here every Monday about the upcoming weekend and say this yeah. is a great opportunity for for a week, our team 
I thought we, uh, you know, we, we lost ground this weekend. We, we blew some great opportunities to, to, to keep that gap and maybe extend it. And now we find ourselves right, uh, right there close to Toledo. So, again, we're, uh, we're excited for the week and the weekend ahead. Boy, it seems like, and switching gears a bit, the, the Florida Panthers organization it continues to get bit by injury bugs. And it, it cycles all the way up from the, from the big club up in the NHL all the way down to the San Antonio Rampage. They lost a former Cyclone, Justin Vive, who uh, busted up his hand a bit. Uh, I guess for now going into this week still time to be to be told in terms of where this roster will sit but some roster moves today some changes tell us about what's going on leading into this weekend well the the first thing we did was uh, sign David Nicoletti this has been uh, done for a couple weeks now we we're just waiting him to fin up, finish up a couple commitments uh, overseas and I, it was just important to get some depth on defense I think uh, moving forward as we get through the next two months uh, you know if we have six seven eight defensemen here great because uh, I mean that's that one position that when all over hockey you know all it takes is one one two phone calls and we're down back down to four defensemen yep. so um bringing in david giving him the opportunity a 26 year old that he's coming to the echl for the first time but a little bit older a little bit more mature that um you know hopefully he can add some depth to our group and uh uh we don't know if we're getting brian o'hanley back and we have charlie roussel here right now but uh there's always uncertainty on the back end of what's going to happen so that adding that depth is going to be big and uh um you know besides that we'll, we'll see what happens with garrett wilson being up I mean, uh, I'm, I'm glad he's getting this opportunity. He deserves the opportunity. He's one of our leaders. He's one of our better players. And I, I and hopefully for him, he can get a good look in San Antonio and stay up for a yeah, while. What, what uh, do you make of, of Chris Reed going back up? They, we talked about this off the, off the air over the weekend about getting into the rotation. Uh, something about like guys like Reed. Last year, you had some somewhat uh, heavy call-ups for, for guys that were just kind of going through the mo- I mean, no, two years ago, you had... Uh, last year was Koger. Koger last year was Koger. Koger. Was the one. Then you had uh, Ryan Del Monte a couple years back who, who made the rotation up. Is Chris Reed becoming that guy this well, year? Well, yeah, you, you, you get to, nobody wants to call up the guy for the first time, um, you know, because there's uncertainty. And uh, after talking to uh, Columbus Blue Jackets about uh, Chris Reed and what he brought, and there was a little bit of a connection there with Ohio State. Um, they gave him an opportunity. So once he played that one game and jumped on the hamster wheel, um, now it's like other teams want you because they've yeah. seen that you've got that game in the American Hockey League. So with Chris Reed, uh, you know, I think this uh, getting that opportunity with Houston was tremendous. Um, you know, getting a chance to go to Minnesota Wild training camp, and yeah. you could just see his level of confidence and, and about him. And, um, you know, now with Lake Erie's uh, wanting him and, so we'll see what happens. There, there has to be a point, though, where uh, what's best for Chris and us. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what got to the point with Daniel Koger last year was he would get up for two, three weeks, come for us for about two days, and then he'd go somewhere else. And for his development and for just from a, a standpoint of all this moving around, it's not good for him. And yeah. with Chris Reed, you know, he's such a big part of our team. This is great. He's getting these opportunities. Hopefully, uh, you know, he's going to be playing tomorrow night for Lake Erie and gets in a few more this weekend. And if they're going to keep him, great. But if, if not, it's... Uh, if we're getting to the point where we're going to need him. He needs to play here. He needs to develop here. He needs to help us uh, move up in the standings. We have a live mic if you want to take the mic and ask some questions of the coach or any of our guests throughout the course of the rest of the season here on the show. We invite you to do so anytime between now and the top of the hour. Uh, one of the things that I found out today after looking at some of the numbers, I know you don't uh, really go into those stats because your game plan doesn't really change uh, because of a statistic, but uh, I, I was curious. And looking down the stretch, uh, it's an exact split of the 24 games remaining 12 and 12 12 home 12 away uh the winning percentage collectively of the teams you have left at, at this point today it'll all change tomorrow and then moving forward is 55.1 percent a hair above 500 that's a win or a loss kind of over that mark uh this is a very winnable schedule in a sense but at the same time you can't take that for granted because you go into a team like Toledo where maybe two or three weeks ago they were at that mark and now all of a sudden a five or six game winning streak they're right back into the thick of things how do you look at this schedule upcoming and play it out how do you look at the schedule and see where you guys guys are in the standings feeling confident but also cautious too I don't think there's uh, anything to be cautious about in the, in that sense. I don't look at it as uh, as a caution. We we know our schedule. We know uh, we've known for a long time what what's happening, and 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 the, the other part's got to play itself out with the standing. So, and again, it, it it's sports, and you hear it all the time. We're we're worried about uh, Saturday in Greenville. I really, you know. Uh, looking further ahead into anything like that, you, you know, I know our schedule. I know who we're playing. I, you know, 
but it's it's really just comes down to that 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 game on Saturday. I mean, as long as we're winning our hockey games, we take care of what we have to do. All that other stuff takes care of it takes care of itself. So, I really, um, you know, as much as you want to look at stuff like that, I mean, uh, you know, we beat we beat uh, Fort Wayne a couple times in a row, and they they wax us seven seven two the other right. night. So, this league is definitely um, you you don't know night to night what teams rosters are going to look like, exactly. what ours is going to look like. So, definitely again, like I said, we're we're looking forward to Saturday night. Mike Kyle is here. Mike, go hey, ahead. Hey, Nick, Coach. Uh, I don't know who could answer this because he was here a very short time, but this Co- Corey Conacher yes. has just taken NHL now, got his first goal. Guy found him. And I know Nick, or uh, Coach here, had a little time. If you might have a story or a few – I know you talked uh, to him a little bit. I got a story. He's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Headline. Um, Unbelievable. No, he's, um, you know, we were fortunate to get Corey a couple years ago down the stretch there, and it, it, it took some work, obviously, with his agent and, and getting him to Rochester for some games and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, what he did here in those, that small, short period of time was absolutely terrific. And then, you know, his story last year was uh, you can't um, predict something like that. And, of course, now it just continues on to this year. And I think the, the greatest thing about Corey is that, uh, you know, he first of all, he loves the game, and he's got something to prove every time he's on the ice so um you know being five foot eight he's he's pissed off he's angry uh, um, and he's got something to prove every time he's out there so it's uh he's a tremendous hockey player and a tremendous uh, person and uh um i would not count him out for a calder uh, rookie of the year i mean the way he's going and, and the opportunity he's getting in tampa is just absolutely terrific on the same subject nick yeah uh, the Star Montreal Montreal Canadiens David mm-hmm. DeHarnay has taken off too. He had a couple goals the other night. Well, he's been in flight for a while now. He's not right. just he, taking he's off. He's been up there a while, but can is there a look, like a little comparison besides being five eight? Both of them, or I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, you compare, I, you compare one or the other. I mean, those, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of times you, you look at smaller players and you talk about can they compete at that level with the the size and the strength of the players. I mean, Jared, you could speak to it more as well, a I former think, player. I think even Mac, uh, when he gets over, you can ask Mac. Mac played with David Darney that year, and I think uh, obviously the comparison, the size is 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 one thing. But you know, one thing David uh, David Darnay did was just tear up this league for a complete season. You know what I mean? And then of course. Corey did it at the American Hockey League level the next year. So, uh, you know, those are comparisons. Yeah, I think obviously undersized guys, you know, Marty St. Louis and guys like that, the comparisons are going to be there. But, uh, you know, everybody's got their own story. I think, you know, with David D'Arnais, you know, like I said, Mac would have a lot more to say about uh, uh, playing with him. You know, like I said, with Corey, though, you know, his, his background of always being passed over. Um, you know, uh, not getting drafted in the Terrell Hockey League, going to a small school in Canisius College, getting passed over from other schools, um, you know, not even getting a look at the American Hockey League until, uh, you know, he got here, he got an opportunity. But at the end of the day, it's the player that that that, that does the work, that has to, you know, uh, as coaches and as scouts and as player development and different things, you can you can recommend, you can do as much as you can, you can push players to onto people. Uh, at the end of the day, the player's got to do it. And I think what Corey did is a credit to himself with us here, Milwaukee, Norfolk last year, now at the National Hockey League, Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, one of the things, and I think we may have talked about this at a previous coaches show uh, weeks and weeks back, but uh, last year, the the season ended in the American League, and, and of course, the Norfolk Capitals won the, the Calder Cup, and I don't know if it was the next day or if it was if it was within the week, I know, uh, that you got a phone call from, from Corey thanking you for the opportunity that, that you gave him right out of school. And I mean, that, that I think, in itself says what Corey Conacher is as a human being. Would you would you agree? Yeah, I, I got a text from him that night right after they won. I was actually watching the game at home and here in Cincinnati, and uh, I got a text from him thanking me for everything I'd done, and I thought that was, uh, you know, really, really, really neat of him and, and for me. I mean, I, I look at it. I, it's, it's, it's me doing my job, you know, trying to get the best players in here and, and finding a guy that can push us over the top and um, stuff like that. And I got another text from him when he got his first uh, NHL goal. So I thought that was, uh, that was pretty neat. He's, just a, he's a great kid that's uh, getting everything he deserves and uh, uh, just keeps fighting and proving people wrong. And, again, I just hope he can continue on. And uh, we're talking about him winning a Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year in the National Hockey League. What does that do to players that are watching him at this level, specifically guys maybe that are in their first or second year, knowing that, that this guy a couple years ago was not only you know in this league but 
trying to make his way through just like I am. How does that, that type of a player and that type of a, of a motivator play out in a room like yours? Well, it's, it's got to be motivating. I mean, because here's a kid that was on nobody's radar. I mean, nobody's radar at all. I mean, he's, uh, he's going to Canisius College. He's in the coast uh, for a little bit. It's his success that caught the, the eye of the American Hockey League teams. And, and again, so, I mean, it just shows you that, um, you know, you, you put the work in, you put the time in here, you have success here. People will notice. People are always looking for good hockey players. People are always looking to get better. American Hockey League teams are trying to get better every day. National Hockey League teams are trying to get better every day. And if you can, you know, find someone and get someone in your organization that's going to push people or push people's jobs, uh, that's what we're looking for. I mean, I'm looking for that. And then you go up the ladder. Uh, everyone's trying to get better. So um, if you can have someone to come in and push your players, and that's what Corey did, and, and he got himself an NHL contract and pushed his way onto the Tampa Bay Lightning lineup, pushed his way onto the top line, and now finding success. Plenty more to get to with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Coming up next, we'll visit with the Florida Panthers skills coach, Mr. Paul Vinson. He's with us on the other side of this timeout. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Back live at the Tap House Grill here in Kenwood. Glad you're with us on this Monday night, 7 a.m. We'll do it again next Monday, hopefully talking about a pair of wins. The Cyclones taking on Greenville on Saturday and Gwinnett on Sunday. Both games can be heard right here on the Cyclones Radio Network, including FM 100, the fan, our new flagship station, 100.3 FM. My next guest is a Stanley Cup champion. He won the cup with the Chicago Blackhawks a few years back. He is now the skills coach of the Florida Panthers. Please give it up for Mr. Paul Vincent. How do you do? Thank you for being here. How's everything? Good. I guess uh, the first and foremost, uh, how was Jared Scaldi as a student? Because I have just learned that you were his skating coach years and years ago. He was raw. Um, <laughs> worked hard. No, no, it was a lot of fun. What happened was uh, Lou Limarello was a young general manager for the New Jersey Devils. And I know Lou really well, and I was working for them. And we had... Uh, Jared Scaldi, uh, Billy Guerin, and um, Jason Miller. And they were all high draft picks. So they came to Providence for two weeks, and it would be twice a day on the ice, and they'd do an off-ice in between. And back then, I, I'm still struggling with kind and gentle. I'm <laughs> and, and I was a little bit rougher around the edges back then. I've done this for a long time. But he really worked hard, and... You know, he said some nice things, but he worked hard. All I do is kind of make the puzzle a little bit different, mm -hmm. and I try to fit those pieces into that whatever that player needs. Take me back to the beginning. How, how did you get started coaching and, and just in the hockey world as, as, a, as a young man? I played collegiately, kind of watched more than I played. Um, I always used to, So when I got involved, my father kind of made me – I got out of college, went back home, and my father said, you got to go coach your nephew's team because the guy that's coaching doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> and I came from a real structured family, and uh, you never disobeyed. You never talked back to your parents, and my father said, you're going to go do it. And I said, ah, oh, crap. I, got, I really don't want I'm 21 years old. I really don't want to do this, but if I, I got to. And I... And the coach said, here, you can have these kids that can't play. So just before us every night, the figure skaters used to come on the ice. So I kind of stood around and watched them. Went to a store and tried to find any book I could find on teaching the game of hockey. <clears throat> and kind of started from there. And those kids all of a sudden got a little bit better than the other kids. Mm -hmm. um, there was a group of guys that came along when they were like five and six. And they became the, the best kids in Massachusetts. So when you kind of get lucky and you have kids who are talented anyways and they get pretty good, everybody else kind of wants to come and be with those group of kids. Mm -hmm. So it kind of transcended from there to all of a sudden being involved with a high school team that, that happens to get really lucky that has Bobby Carpenter on the team. And Bobby Carpenter came to me. We win a state championship and the thing starts to grow. And at the same time, I was a police officer. And uh, I kind of struggled with my identity as a police officer because um, my wife and I adopted six children. And we, uh, when I was on the job, I was a narcotics 
police officer, and I used to deal with some not-so-nice people. And I struggled with being a good cop. I mean, I was a good cop, but I struggled with the position of, I really would like to shoot this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew that wasn't the right position to take. (laughs) So one night after having a an encounter with a a criminal that he slipped down a couple flights of stairs and he fell up against the the cruiser. I went in and said to my boss, I said, uh, I think I'm retiring because I really wanted to do a lot more and I was really lucky. My wife said, look, and she had a great job. She was a bank treasurer and she said, the worst you do is become Mr. Mom. Go do hockey. You know, you're not happy. If you're not happy, that means I can't be happy. So I was really lucky that I had a great wife that allowed me to do those things. And it kind of just took off from there, and it grew. I was 10 years at Boston College, and we made the NCAAs all 10 years. I got lucky, went to RPI for five. We won a national championship, and it kind of grew from there. You say lucky, but that that has to be a tremendous workload over the years, and not to mention just being able to to coach these these young men into hopefully some of the best uh, best skaters on the planet. But then you think about how the game changes. I mean, the game has changed so much since since the beginning, and then over the last twenty years, even it's it's adapted. I'm assuming you've had to adapt your coaching style as the game has changed as well. Absolutely, one of my real great friends is a guy by the name of Rick Dudley, played here in Cincinnati a million years ago, and. And Rick is truly one of my best friends, and he really gave me my opportunity in the NHL. And when we were in Tampa, the criteria was if you weren't 6'2 or bigger as a forward, you weren't 6'3 bigger bigger than that as a defenseman, you had to possess dimensional skills. Come along, Marty St. Louis. 5'8", 5'9". Dimensional heart, dimensional skills. So what I do isn't really work. It's my love. It's what I love doing. They're going to have to kick me off the ice or kick me out of hockey. It's it's what I love doing. You talk about how the game is faster now than it is. I mean, that's the, that's what you hear, that the game is faster. It's changing. It's getting getting harder hitting. A, would you agree with that? And B, if so, what would you attribute that to? Well, I, I think there's a lot of elements that come into the game. When Jared first came into the league as a high draft pick, it was an anomaly. All of a sudden, he's with a guy that's saying, you suck as a skater. <laughs> you know, we got to change this right now. And I was one of the, I was probably the first guy in the NHL to do it. And now it's to the point where they all have strength coaches in the summer. They, a lot of guys go to different guys. And I tell guys, it doesn't matter who you go to. Just go to somebody that's good. Uh, a lot of guys now have nutritionists. They they learn how to eat correctly. They learn how to sleep correctly. They learn how to train correctly. So all of a sudden, in the old days, you'd come into camp to get in shape. Now they come into camp in shape. So that I think that's the biggest difference. And in in Tamp, I mean in Florida, in the with the Panthers, we got an exceptional strength coach whose background he's a decathlon champion. So his background is sprinting, explosive movement. So that's what he does. And it's an adjunct to what I do. So when we're on the ice together or I'm on the ice with a player, I know what Slaughter is doing with him off ice. So it's a whole thing that's rolled into one. I, it, you know, I'm, I'm an avid golfer, I'm a competitive golfer, and I, I say to these guys all the time, and, you know... Mac and Jared hear me say, if you were a professional golfer, you guys couldn't even make the, you know, the the least. It's about training, understanding what you have to do every day to get better. And a lot of guys come out of the East Coast League now, mm-hmm. get to the American League, and then get to the NHL. And they got to look at the Rich Pevelys, the kid, you know, that just left here two years ago. Mm-hmm. And you got to look at those kids that have worked their way up 
and understand there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. This is a great development league, and they gotta, they got to understand that this is a great stepping stone to the next level. Mr. Paul Vincent joining us for another few minutes here at the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Uh, the interesting thing that you mentioned there, and I want to ask you a, a kind of a follow-up question. You talk about how at one point you're kind of a groundbreaker in the sense that you're telling people stuff they probably don't want to hear, that you're not a very good skater, you need to work on it, or you could be out of here in, in no time. How was that received in the early days when you were first getting started? Let's put it this way at the beginning. I stepped on a lot of toes, and I really learned my best way I can describe this. Caval Cabina played for us in Tampa when I was in Tampa. I really wanted him to get to be a better skater, and I thought just by me pushing and prodding and making him want to do it was a totally wrong. He made me a better coach because I realized that I couldn't make everybody better. You have to want to get better. You have to understand that you can get better. So from that, I learned a lot from failure. And that's what it is. We all learn. Jared learns as a coach. Mac learns as a coach. We try things. Sometimes it works. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it blows up in your face. It just depends. A couple years ago, things went very well for your team that you worked with, the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, Dale Talon there as well at the time, now the GM of the Florida Panthers. Uh, Tell me what that experience was like from start to finish, because I know you you won it then, but you almost had a chance to win it before then as well. Right. Well, thank God for friends. That's why I have (laughs) jobs. Uh, But... It was an experience of a lifetime because I was fortunate. My dad loved hockey. You know, he got me involved, always was there, and that was my one regret. I remember when we won, Brent Sopel and I have become very close. He was my kind of my reclamation project for the Chicago Blackhawks. The year before he didn't play, he was kind of in the doghouse. And we resurrected his career. He did it through hard work. And to win a cup and kind of get emotional, excuse me, Mm -hmm. knowing that my dad was the reason I was there. Because without him, without the support he had, I would have never gone to prep school. I would have never been able to go to college. And he pushed me and prodded me. So, you know, it was just a great time. And then... To share it with my wife and kids, they came on the ice. We won in Philly. They weren't allowed to wear any Blackhawks clothing. Philly fans are a little rough. <laughs> um, but it was just a tremendous experience. And, of course, as a champion, you got to spend a day with the Cup. What did right. you do with it? Um, I uh, brought it back. We live on Cape Cod in the summertime. And that's our year-round home, too. But um, I brought it back and kind of shared it with the community. Went down to the firehouse, the police station. I used to have a barber, barber shop. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And kind of took it all the way around the neighborhood. And then uh, we did a little fundraiser for the youth hockey program and a couple other um, things within the community. So they had it from, uh, I let... The community have it from like 4 o'clock in the afternoon to 8 o'clock. And then remember Jay Miller that played in the NHL with Boston, L.A.? Jay owns a real nice restaurant, and Jay and I have real close friends. We went up, kind of went up to his place and had a drank a few beers out of it and uh, awesome. really enjoyed it. And then brought it home, and my two golden retrievers got to eat their breakfast out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, th- bringing you back to the Cyclones, Betty, you mentioned all the, all the, the differences when you are, are talking to these younger players and uh, you're working with them. You've been in town a couple of times now. Right. What did you work with them on today? Today, our kind of our emphasis, our focus was on individual skills such as passing stick handling and we kind of had some fun with it and we kind of made them understand that you got to move your feet to get to areas so we we did some drills that they could have some fun with and work at and we did a lot of stick handling and get them out of their comfort zone and then at the end we had a little fun we played baseball so we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. It's a real honor to have well, a chance thank to talk you very to you. Much. Mr. Paul Vincent, everybody. We'll take another time thank out. You. When we come back, we will visit with the Cyclones assistant coach, Matt McDonald, next on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. 
You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Another segment live here on the Coors Light, Jared Scaldi Show. Back in a few minutes with the head coach to look ahead to the week and also wrap things up. We'll be back again next week, 7 to 8 p.m. Hopefully we'll see a lot of you at the uh, season ticket holder dinner on Wednesday night. Hopefully you'll be down there. Details, if you need them, go to your ticket representative and they'll get you all the details if you haven't already found out what's going on. My next guest is the assistant coach of the Cyclones. He has manned the defensive side of the bench this season. Please welcome Mr. Matt McDonald. Hey guys. Welcome back. Thanks. Good to see you again. The defensive side after that, schlacking. Well, 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 well. Keep that one down. With, with, that, with that said, with that said, you're still in the top five for team defense. Let, let's talk about all season long. This is something, though, the consistency in, in the Cyclones game has been its defense. I imagine in your first year as a coach, primarily working on the defense, that has to be a point of pride for you in your first year. Yeah, no, it definitely is. You know, that's uh, something that me and uh, Scalds came into the year, and, you know, it, it starts from the defense out, and we got to – you know, you give yourself the best chance. We don't want to get into these run-and-gun games. So mm-hmm. if we can keep them off the board and win those, you know, 2 nothing games, 2-1 games, whatever it may be, that, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great thing. So, uh, you know, it definitely has been a, it's been a huge plus to keep uh, the goals against down. But that starts with our goaltenders. We have three unbelievable goaltenders. Our defensemen have been solid all year. Even the guys that we've had come in here and spot here and there have done a great job for the time they've gotten. So... It's been, uh, you know, it's been something we work on all the time. We're consistently working on every week is just coming back to the house, coming to the front of the net and clearing it out. Obviously, we've had a few breakdowns here and there, and that's when the goaltenders have come up huge. But, uh, you know, at, at the first uh, however many 35 games, we it was a lot more solid than the last little bit. It was slumped a little bit, but uh, I think we're kind of getting back on the right track. I want to follow up uh, to a question that was posed earlier that uh, Jared obviously pointed to you about, and that was David DeHarnay, and you played with him obviously in 2007-08 in, in a year that is <laughs> going to be hard to match if you look at the the point totals for guys the amount of wins you had the win streak of course I think it was 17 in a row at one point uh just an incredible season and obviously anchored by yourself and a guy obviously uh now playing at the National Hockey League level goes without saying but comparing him to Corey Conacher and just explaining guys like that being able to succeed at the highest level what does it take I mean talk about your experience playing with him Oh well, well, Davey. I think for everybody that saw him here, it was something special. He uh, he could he could turn it on. And he changed games on, on his own. It was easy. It wasn't easy for him, but it wasn't a way that he was just that talented. He w- he didn't deserve to be here. Um, I was grateful that he was here. I think everybody was pretty happy that he was here for the entire year. But <laughs> that is uh, for sure. He uh, he's not a player that belongs in anything less than the National Hockey League. I think he's proven that. But uh, you know, for him, he he's kind of in the same kind of boat as Corey from the stories I've heard about him. I don't know Corey Conacher personally. I've just seen him play, and but uh, they both are smaller statured guys that had to kind of battle their way to the top, and they've both done it, and they've they're succeeding uh, at that level. So I think it proves that they should be there, and they that it's not always the biggest guy, and that, I think that's uh, a lot to go with the game, the way the game is now. It's faster, you know, the the smaller players are getting not getting tied up in the corners as much. There's a lot more calls for yeah. holding and the stick work and everything else. So these guys that uh, maybe a little bit smaller can fly and they can do their thing, but uh, Davy. You know, I think everybody saw it. He could. He was turning. He had what 120 something points yeah, in his 70 games, and you know, even in playoffs, I think he had 35 points in 22 games or something. It was unbelievable. But he, uh, he, he, he's he's definitely one of the best players, or if the not the best player I've ever played with. One of the things we always talk about, unfortunately, sometimes is the inconsistency of officiating, at least at this level. But obviously, the mindset is to take the the ticky tack stuff, make sure that there, there's no in in of the process of guys to the net. They want to try and, and prevent that from happening. That's why you saw the um, obstruction-type calls for a while there for a few years. And even now, like you said, it, the game is called differently from a, an interference, hooking, uh, slashing standpoint than it was even a, as recent as five years ago. As a defenseman uh, in your playing days, and obviously now coaching defenders, is it sometimes tough to strike that balance of not knowing, okay, what's a penalty tonight? versus what's a penalty last night or the night prior or the night before that. Yeah, no, and that's, <clears throat> you know, it's a de- developmental league, and it's, it is for the referees as well. So they're they're going into every game, and they're they're learning their way as well. But uh, so it's a little bit of inconsistency at times. Um, I think for the defensemen, it's it's definitely tougher. You're not allowed to, like you said, the hooks in the holes. So when you got to go, and you got to be able to move your feet. So that's something we kind of, uh, we looked at our defensemen this year, and we, we got the guys that we think can skate. 
And I think that's very important for defensemen now because you don't need the big, slow defenseman back there that can't keep yeah. up with the pace. You need a guy that's going to be able to go in the corners with these smaller guys and uh, keep up pace back and forth. All the little things that, um, you know, that that's tough to do now with without impeding in their process. That's another thing. That's another reason we got Mr. V here. You know, he's a guy that can show these guys little things, little tricks of the way that, uh, you know, don't cross your feet in these situations and playing the right way defensively that they, uh, they don't have to worry about being a hole in the guy or getting on the wrong side of them. I imagine there are a lot of wide eyes out there to like a day like today when Mr. Vincent's here and then even before he's been a couple times, but uh, to, to get a chance to, to coach or, or you know, be coached by somebody like that, I imagine it opens a lot of eyes for these guys. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because he brings something that's a little, these guys are young, you know, it's a different uh, different mentality now when they're growing up. When, when I grew up, we had coaches like Mr. V where they didn't need a whistle because they yelled. So, <laughs> you know, he's a little, you know, he, that's that's the, the old school way and, and it's something that, it's, it's I, honestly, it's refreshing to see as a guy that comes in and he can, he'll tell you, you know, if you're a step in a line, he's going to put you back in place. And that's, mm -hmm. it's awesome. And I think a lot of these younger guys that uh, they're not used to that. So when Mr. V takes uh, the bull by the horns out there, uh, they definitely, they get in line and they, they stand where they're supposed to be. It's been a revolving door, not nearly as fast revolving as last year where there were players seemingly in and out of the lineup every couple of days. Of late, you've been losing some defensemen. Uh, you know, obviously the, the big call up, you know, you lost Brian O'Hanley to San Antonio and others, Anthony Boteto, uh, Taylor Aaron and just to, to name a few, uh, you have been putting together a, a makeshift defense at times, trying to just get guys in the lineup, yet the consistency has been the defense. That has to be a very difficult balancing act because every night you, you have to try and put uh, the six guys out there that are going to prevent guys from getting to your net. Yeah, you know, when you get these guys in here, it's just it's simple. It's simple hockey, and that's that's something that we, we try to preach them before the games and we get, get these guys in there for practice to just simplify because, uh, you know, they don't necessarily – um, have the ability like a Brian O'Hanley to take a game under control by himself. So what you do is you get the puck into the forwards' hands. If we have our normal forwards going for sure, you, you put it in their hands. Let them do the work and, and just take care of your own end. So if you don't have a play, it's off the glass and out. If you do have a play, it's got to be tape to tape. It's a lot of little things that, you know, as a fan, you might sit there and, and you see sometimes, sometimes you don't. It's something so small. But <clears throat> as a coach looking back there and you see a, pay, a pass that's maybe in the feet, you know, that's something that you, you, you preach to them. You say, mm -hmm. listen, it's got to be tape to tape. Or if there's no play, you got to pin it against the wall. Take the whistle. We'll take the whistle, you know. Mm -hmm. We have great sentiments. So we can win those draws. But um, that's just that, that's the main thing is when you get these guys in there, it's just you got to keep it simple, keep everything simple. Last but not least, a few quick hitters, and we'll let you go, and then we'll bring up the coach. This has become kind of a staple of the segments for our, our guests. Uh, we, we let Mr. Paul Vincent off the hook this time, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll give uh, Matt McDonald a few here, and we'll, uh, we'll move forward and get Jared back up here for another, another minute or two. Your favorite food is? I'm going to have to go with those chicken wings. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been staring at them the whole time. <laughs> your, your favorite movie is? Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Good choice. Favorite musical group or artist is? Tragically Hip. Best player you played for or with, I should say, or against? It would have to be probably David Darnay. I figured that would be your answer. And if there's one guy in your locker room right now that would make a good coach, who would it be? <laughs> I think it would have to be Dan Eves. <laughs> Everybody calls him coach anyway. Yeah, so. fig it's, it figures he fills that role very nicely. Matt McDonald, thanks for being with us again. We'll thanks, guys. see you back on uh, Saturday night. We'll take one more time out, come back with a head coach next on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. Final segment tonight here on the show. Back again next Monday, 7 to 8. Hope you're with us for the Coors Light. Jared Scaldi Show, the head coach of the Clones, with us for another couple of minutes. Looking ahead to the weekend. And, and obviously, we talked about this uh, a couple times, actually. Uh, I think it was a few weeks ago about how this team consistently finds ways to, to you know, keep the – if you do go on slides – uh, it's a minimum slide. You, you, you don't let one or two turn into four or five or six. And certainly that this time of year, that's especially important. And going down south, a tough place to play against teams that we've talked about are, are quite talented, one of which you haven't seen yet. Uh, explain to me what has been that recipe to keep your team consistently solid. Well, I think the one thing you got to do is you, you wake up the next day and it is a new day, and we we got to refocus. I think, uh, you know, distress on uh, things from last uh, Saturday night. I mean, obviously there's some adjustments to be made. It needs to be corrected. It needs to be addressed. But, uh, you know, distress on uh, the weekend is not something we do. we got to look forward to the following weekend, and uh, we've been able to – 
to do that. So, um, you know, I think we've obviously got the players, we've got the goaltending, the defense, the, the, the forwards we need. And, um, you know, sometimes you have those games, sometimes you have those weekends. So, um, again, we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll see how this week goes and we're, we'll be ready for the weekend. Perfectly timed, perhaps, to end the show. We go to Mike Kyle with a question. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Jared. Hey, Mike. Hey, how do you prepare for a Greenville game after the weekend? I mean, do you change game plans a lot, or you just keep the game plan? No, I think uh, one of the most important thing is, is, you know, as a team, you have an identity, and you, you don't change your identity. I mean, there's something that was uh, started here in, in uh, October and, and, and built on through November and December and January, and, you know, we're going to do what we do play to our identity you know we will make some adjustments we're going to know some things that they do mac and i will pre-scout greenville and look at some of the past games and some of the recent games because you know the lineups change and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that the same with gwinnett but you know you don't want get, to get away from your identity and what's made you successful so uh what we try to do is improve on things execute better but um the last thing we want to do is change something for another team we will make adjustments but uh, uh when we're playing the way we want to play and the way we can play we're a good hockey team from mike kyle to Mike Kyle. Yeah, Coach, uh, do you look at any tapes this week? Yeah, I'll look at some <laughs> tapes. Well, I don't know about tapes, Mike. Maybe your generation was tapes. We, we, uh, we'll watch some uh, internet and uh, some uh, some DVDs and stuff, bud. What's, Thanks all. Uh, what is your plan this weekend with three goaltenders uh, on the trip? Are you going to take all three like last weekend, or is this just kind of a wait-and-see approach how the week goes? Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge is when you start hitting on the road with uh, numbers and stuff. Unfortunately, Mike Embach didn't make the trip. Uh, just a, a coach's decision that uh, we're going to go with some other guys. And, uh, again, we brought three goaltenders tenders but uh, again we'll, we'll make that decision by Thursday on what we want to do goaltending wise and again it's not it's not ideal having three um, again we've talked about identifying one and it's easier said than done you just can't sit here on a Monday night and identify right. your goaltender I think it's something that's got to develop and, 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 and give guys the opportunity so we're still kind of waiting for that and um, you know again it's not ideal for, for Mac and I making these decisions on three goaltenders and it's not ideal for them so uh, again that, that, that'll play itself out Mike last question before we wrap up <laughs> or comment depending um, I, I noticed a lot of teams on power plays a lot of teams just go right after the players. Does that continue to press with us? Just putting a lot of pressure on the team that are on power plays, just go up and attack the players, or you just stay yeah. back on defense? Yeah, there's different things. Sometimes they're up ice is uh, different, so Mac will make adjustments on how much pressure we put up ice, and then in zone, depending on who we're playing, sometimes we want to flush people down the wall, sometimes you want to put more pressure on, and then... Um, you know, of course, we'll make those adjustments. We want to be aggressive on our PK. I think our PK has been very good this year, obviously in the top five. Um, and we want to continue to get better on that. Best of luck this weekend. Hey, thanks for coming, everybody. Appreciate you everybody being here. We'll see you hopefully on Wednesday at the season ticket holder dinner. And then for everybody else, listen to the games over the weekend on the Cyclones Radio Network. Thanks again for being with us. Good night, everybody.